Hi, this is Netta. Have you heard the phrase two-faced? Like we haven't really heard that a lot lately. Um, but two-faced means, you know, you say one thing and then you turn right around and say the complete opposite. Somebody that's not truthful. Somebody that might betray you or really, really hurt us in that process. That phrase comes to my mind um, as I read Acts 1, Acts chapter 1, which is in the New Testament, and it's right after Jesus raises from the dead and goes back to heaven, and now this is the early church. And it's funny, right, that that phrase pops in my head in Acts chapter 1. Very often in this chapter, people are thinking of verse 8 about receiving power from the Holy Spirit, which is also what's on my mind. But let's start back just a little bit first. So, In the book of Acts, while they're waiting for the Holy Spirit, they decide we need to replace, you know, that disciple that was two-faced and betrayed Jesus. And I mean, I guess that's putting it lightly to say Judas was two-faced, but he betrayed Jesus. And so in almost the very end of chapter one, they're selecting another person to take his place. And it says that um, they have to choose somebody that was with them the whole time from when Jesus was baptized by John um, through his entire ministry. Now, did you realize that, first of all, that there were so many other people that followed Jesus? Like if you grew up with Bible story books, like with the pictures, we always see pictures of Jesus and then there are 12 guys there. Like we just only think of there being 12, but there were so many people that followed Jesus. It's just that the 12 are named specifically, and those are the ones that were the closest to him. But there were many. So that's just a side note. But they had to select an apostle from these people that followed him the whole time. Um, They had to narrow it down, and there was a guy selected as they're praying. There were two guys nominated, it says. And the one they selected came from prayer. And the prayer says this in Acts 1, verse 24. They were saying that, God, you see every heart. You know what is in every heart. So you know who you want to fill this place. Now, Matthias was chosen. This poor guy, I have to think that at least those those 11 other disciples were kind of eyeballing him. Now, they've, pro- they've known him for at least three years because it says he was with them from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And we know that ministry was three years while he was on earth. They've known him for three years. But because those other disciples were humans like us, don't you think they were probably eyeballing him all of a sudden like, wait a minute, are you going to betray us too? No, there's probably nothing up till that point that had given them any reason to believe that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have even been nominated. But all of a sudden now he's sitting in the seat, so to speak, of someone who betrayed them. And I have to think that they may have struggled a little bit with mistrust. Kind of looking at him like, wait a minute, are you going to do the same thing? Because, you know, these disciples were clueless that Judas was the betrayer. Even at the Last Supper, they still were clueless. And when Jesus told Judas to go do what you're going to do, what's in your heart, they still didn't know. So I guess they would have reason, being human beings like we are, that they would go, hmm, I wonder what's going to turn out with this guy. But Jesus, let's back this up, knew, of course, all along 
that Judas was going to do what Judas did. Back in John chapter 6 and verse 64, it literally says, Jesus knew from the beginning um, who those were who did not believe and who was going to betray him. He knew all along. Yet Jesus loved him. Yet Jesus allowed Judas to be part of what he was doing. So here's poor Matthias. Human nature probably connected him with his predecessor, with past experiences. Now, the Bible never says this. I want you to understand clearly. I'm simply going, these people were human. This is our human nature. To start going, well, my past experience tells me, da-da-da-da-da. And yet, it never caused problems. We never hear about there being a problem with him. We never hear about the disciples having an issue with him. And I believe this is why. The disciples stayed focused on their assignment. They had been told by Jesus, wait in Jerusalem. I'm sending you a gift and it will give you power. So they did. They focused on what they were supposed to do. They spent time in prayer and encouraging one another and taking care of each other. And literally, because they stayed focused on what Jesus told them to do, rather than their mistrust of someone else, literally their world was changed, both personally and eventually globally. They chose to trust God instead of people. Um, All of us have been hurt by someone, maybe who held a position in our lives and that person hurt us. And so the next time we're in a situation where there's a person holding a similar position, we start eyeballing them. Like, are you going to do this to me too? And sometimes we almost assume they are because they're holding that position. And yet there's no reason for us to think that. Or even if there is, let's be like these early disciples who obviously chose to focus on the mission, to focus on what God told them to do. And what has God told us to do? He's told us to love people and to share him with other people through love. We can't love, you guys. We can't love other people if we have these huge walls around our hearts and where we're eyeballing and mistrusting people going, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. If we put our walls up around our hearts towards some things and some people, It's not like we have then open doors for others. You understand that when we put walls around our heart to guard us, then we end up guarding ourselves from wonderful situations and from all kinds of things because there is a wall around our heart. What I'm saying to us today is, do you have some walls around your heart? Are you mistrusting people? Okay, it doesn't mean we have to fling trust everywhere. But what I mean is let's trust Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And when we're clinging to him, it gives us the ability to love other people. We don't have to trust everybody, but we have to trust God so we can love everybody. Where's your trust? And if we trust God, our walls break down. And we can stop eyeballing and mistrusting because we're putting our eyes on the one who saved us. And then we have the courage to open our hearts 
in love to others. And that is just a little piece of my heart.